You're listening to South Bend Beat, produced by Alpha Dog Podcast. Welcome back to season four of South Bend Beat. Season three was cut short a little bit with COVID, but we are back and ready to rock for season four. And today we have a doozy for you. We're kicking things off with Jason Lippert. Doesn't need much of an introduction. He's the president and CEO of Lippert Components, LCI, one of the largest employers in the area with 10,000, 11,000 team members. And we talked about leadership, culture, his story, some of his hobbies. We got into pretty much everything over there. Uh, We recorded this one at his office. And we have another piece of exciting news. This season, we are sponsored by Martin's Supermarkets. Everybody knows Martin's. Uh, It's where I get my groceries. I pop into the side door deli all the time, but they have come on as our sponsor. So you'll be hearing some reads from them, a little bit of back and forth, and might even have a guest or two on from the Martins family to talk about what they do and some things they have coming up. So Martin's Supermarkets, count on us. You can go to martins-supermarkets.com to see where your neighborhood Martins is and check out their latest deals. And let's get started. Here is Jason Lippert of Lippert Components. Welcome to this premiere episode of season four of South Bend Beat. We have a very special guest today. We have Jason Lippert. How are you doing? Good, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Um, So we're kicking off season four here. Uh, I was real excited to book you, um, especially in the age of season four is going to be coming out kind of in a post-COVID or toward the end of COVID, we hope, um, where, you know, there was obviously a lot of uncertainty with COVID and uh, Lippert and LCI in general, you guys were kind of able to point north when others weren't. So we'll get into that. I want to start with just your background, where you're from, kind of how you spent your time growing up, that kind of thing. Yeah, great. Well, I I grew up in uh, central Michigan. Family uh, was all uh, born and raised there, a little town called Elma, south of uh, Mount Pleasant, north of Lansing. How big, what population are we Yeah, talking? it's like 10,000. Okay. So yeah. a small little farm community. Um, so yeah, I grew up there, um, played golf and swam in high school and had a really good upbringing, uh, great parents. Uh, grew up with uh, uh, two other brothers and a sister. And my parents had a, uh, another brother uh, of mine when I was my first year in college, but went to Miami University in Ohio, uh, Oxford, Ohio. I did my undergraduate there and then came right to work uh, in Goshen, Indiana. I'd never been here before. So this was my <laughs> first stint in the industry and business. And uh, I started on a, a second shift, uh, welding shift in Goshen. It's kind of my first job for the company. So so how did you, I mean, get it? obviously it's a legacy type thing, but talk to us about the transition from what you were doing with your day-to-day to getting into this world. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, my, my, my dad, um, he sold the business in 97, so I came to the business in 94. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before he sold the business, he was dead set on getting me uh, a really good education in the business on, mm-hmm. the, on the front lines of the, the, uh, the, uh, the business and the industry. So 
Um, you know, he, he wanted me to do something on the front lines. I started in fab and welding and uh, worked with, a, worked with a, a few crews there before I got my first management or leadership role. Um, but uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give that away for anything. I mean, it was, it's what really helped give me the confidence and courage is I, I jumped into, you know, leading some other facilities and mm -hmm. ultimately the company to, you know, not be, you know, not be, uh, really understand the products, really understand what the, what our people on the front lines go through, what our customers' uh, expectations were, you know, everything from, you know, manufacturing to quality uh, and engineering. So it's, just, it's really nice being, you know, baptized in the business that way versus uh, starting up in some cushy Here's desk job. And, yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So do you think that, I mean, uh, it's always been a north trajectory for you guys, um, even more so in the last handful of years. I mean, really taking off. Do you think without that frontline experience that would have been possible? Like, did it did it help at that base level for the position you have now? Yeah, so more importantly, just my uh, my introduction into the business and the industry. And, you know, I, 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 I was an accounting uh, finance type uh, undergrad training. So... Um, you know, coming into manufacturing and welding and fabricating big steel heavy components in Goshen, Indiana wasn't exactly what I was prepared for, but it was such an eye-opening experience for me. We, we, really, we really put our, all of our up-and-coming uh, trainees, uh, our leadership trainees, into a role where that's, what they, that's how they learned the business. So it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was not only transformational for me, but, you know, we, we put all of our management and operational leaders through that up and coming leaders through that program right out of school going forward so every college grad we hired after after that which was also new to the company we you know we were my dad was he didn't graduate from college he went to college and and then got into the business early um, but he promoted people locally in town so he you know he really liked the grocery uh, mm -hmm. store bagger and said, Hey, how about, you know, moving to Goshen or moving to Pennsylvania? <laughs> uh, just people that he really liked around town that he thought had good character, good, you know, good moral compasses, good ethical, uh, hardworking people. Uh, but you know, when, when I came to work, I wanted to diversify the company a little bit and bring people in out of college. And we put them through the same, ultimately the same program that, that I, I went through in operation. So it transformed, I think, to, to make a successful long-term, it, it, you know, that really helped because we have a lot of leaders in this company that make the company really, really good and strong. And, and it's that same background that they've got that I think's really helped us grow the way we have. So if we backtrack a bit, um, I mean, Lippert component's kind of synonymous with the area. It's whether you graduate college or a young adult or even into older adults, like, I got a job at Lippert. That's going to get you, you know, backpats at the family reunion. It, it, it's a desirable job to have. When, um, for people like me that maybe, like, aren't that bright, can you just give us, like, a brief overview of, like, everything LCI is, Lippert components is, just... I guess the elevator pitch on like what it is, big picture. Well, well, first of all, you're—I understand you're an entrepreneur yourself, so I, I would I mean, not to discredit yourself. Not to this level. <laughs> not to this level. Hey, well, I'll tell you, it all starts. <laughs> it all starts with something small. Yeah. Very I, few people yeah. jump out of education into something huge. You, yeah. you, you got to start with something small and, and, you know, just develop a pathway to grow it. But the elevator—the short elevator pitch on LCI is we. You know, we're a manufacturing business. Uh, we've got 90 facilities with 11,000 team members worldwide. Uh, most, I'd say 60% of the team member base is right here in uh, Elkhart and St. Joe counties. Um, 
you know, our, our, our core business is RVs and components for RVs. So we build everything from, you know, the furniture and, and RVs to windows, chassis, uh, axles and suspensions, um, uh, all sorts of stabilizers and leveling systems. Uh, a lot of the products that you kind of see and touch and feel on RVs, we, we build a lot of those. Um, and then, you know, Marine's a, a pretty sizable segment for us. It's about 10% of our okay. business. So we build a lot of components for Marines specifically or largely, you know, the seating for pontoons uh, is, a, is a big piece of our business. Windshields uh, for some of the bigger boats. We do a lot of the, the glass work there. Um, and then you get into some adjacent markets, you know, cargo trailers, buses, specialty and commercial vehicles. We do a lot of components for those. Uh, you know, little known fact is we do all the, you know, we do just about every window for a school bus that exists. So really? most people don't know that, but um, once in a while, neighborhood kids will notice that we, you know, we've, we, they see our little logo yeah, on the, on the window there. Stamp, yeah. um, and then we do some a, a good chunk of aftermarket business, and we do some manufacturing business for RVs, trains, and marine over overseas in Europe. So that's kind of like the the short. So take me back to early to mid March. The world is starting to shut down with COVID. Now that we know that you know, came out of it and ended up doing very well at that time what was your mindset um like was there any worry did you have any doubt that it was going to go well or were you a little bit unsure and uneasy well you know i i think anybody that says that they weren't unsure and uneasy in that time uh, or any significant you know dip in the economy like that is is uh, lying but um yeah we were we were certainly we were certainly uh unsure like most businesses that your first thought is okay well you know are we going to have to close operations? You know, what does this mean for, you know, all 90 of our facilities around the world? Um, uh, but, you know, it, it seemed like it was uh, going really slow. But, you know, by, by the middle of April, you know, dealers around the country on the RV and Marine side were starting to get pop pretty good, you know, uh, just through inquiries about hey, his product availability. People wanted to – people – didn't want to stay in forever. I think you know everybody was on that on that boat. Nobody wanted to stay inside, and they wanted to figure out how to get out. They couldn't, you know, stay in hotels for the most part. They couldn't, you know, do air travel. Uh, they couldn't do conventionally a lot of things that they normally do to take a vacation with their family. So their first thought was, what can I do to control my environment? And you know, RVs and boats are were pretty good, uh, pretty pretty far at the top of the list. So. Um, so once we started getting that anecdotal feedback from some of the dealers and our OEM customers about, you know, what consumers were thinking about um, how they were going to travel, it became pretty apparent pretty quickly that we needed to, we needed to gear up, um, which is nice for our community because, you know, uh, you know, I think Indiana's numbers came out last week, unemployment at 6%, which probably is leading the country right now. Mm -hmm. uh, part of that's because, you know, our, our area is so... Um, so tied up into you know RVs and boats, so um, so that's I think it's been a really good thing, and it was uh, it was nerve wracking, just like the, the the Great Recession was back in 08, 09. Um, but back then we had, we had to close a lot of facilities when that when that whole thing happened. So um, even though we didn't have to close facilities, it's been it's been a harder challenge for our people for you know all the obvious reasons. But it's been nice to have you know I mean, right now we have 700 job openings, so. Um, wow, 700 open positions because business is that good. And yeah, I think a lot of it is attributed to you know it was cabin fever, 
cabin fever mm-hmm. catching up with people um they were able to get out in an rv and i i would say from my point of view long term that's even going to have a better outlook because you have all these people getting into whether it be rv or boats let's face it people are going to fall in love with it too and it's going to end up being a lifelong yeah. hobby they're going to pass it down to their kids that's so right. i think uh, would you agree that there's going to be long term effects on a positive side for Lippert. Yeah, I think that the tail on this is going to be extremely long term and sustainable. I mean, you're going to have people that, you know, there was a record number of new buyers this summer uh, in RVs and uh, boats for that matter. And you're certainly going to have some people ne- after next season, maybe turn their keys in and say, hey, this wasn't for us. But you're also going to have a large number of first time buyers mm-hmm. to say, Hey, like exactly what you said, we're going to, this is going to be something we do for generations and maybe a start of a way, uh, some families start to think about vacation and travel. Um, yeah, I took a, I, I bought an RV this, this summer, uh, early, earlier this, uh, spring and used it in the summertime. And we had taken, you know, short overnight trips before, never stayed in the campground, but we took a we took a 12-day hike across the country all the way to That's Oregon cool. and came back. And it was it was everything that was cracked up to be. It was an adventure for our family. And I've got three boys, and, you know, the, the boys love adventure. And my daughters, uh, you know, she loved it just as much. Um, we did everything from fish to hike to bicycle to, you know, stop at a lot of uh, historical landmarks and parks, state parks that we'd never thought we'd ever go to. Um, but in every case, we... You know, we controlled our environment. If we, you know, there were crowds over here, we'd, you know, park over there. Yep. Um, you know, and it was a, it was an easy way to distance. We, 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 we went 5,400 miles there and back, um, uh, and never stopped in a public place to eat or, or uh, really, or or uh, use a restroom. So, um, you know, we had our own, we had control of our own bedroom. Uh, bedrooms for the kids I didn't like that we kind of slept all slept in an area this size, <laughs> but uh, with our four kids but uh, but it was fun and it was an adventure and the kids had fun and we had fun and it was something really really different and we're planning our next trip already so I think a lot of Americans will have that type of uh, you know whether they rent or whether they buy they'll have that type of experience and you know family outdoors you know being together I mean that's kind of how we're wired so we're wired to like all that kind of stuff. Can you talk? So one thing we've gone back and forth on, um, and you're probably one of the best people in the world to ask this, the rent versus buy. Um, it, what are the pros and cons to, I mean, if you're looking at just like one trip, maybe I'll tell you my situation is over the camp for a basketball company that I run. We run like mm-hmm. basketball camps mm-hmm. throughout the country. Mm-hmm. So it's eight to 10 weeks on the road. Yeah. I'm thinking an RV might be a good option. Great Would that option. be kind of a tailor made thing for the rent option? I think it could, it could go either way. I think that I would, you know, the, the, with the peer-to-peer rentals today, you know, with some of those companies, RV Share, Outdoorsy, um, you know, it's an easier way to jump into RVing, to dip your toe in the water and see if it's something that's for you or your family. Um, but there's so many different ways, you know, the, the work remote thing for RVs is uh, exploding. That's part of what's you know, yeah, that sounds real good. To yeah. Me, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, the, the cool thing is you can rent if you want. And mm-hmm. with peer to peer, you know, you're not limited to what the rental companies used to, you know, sell people. It's just, hey, if there's one or two floor plans and it's a motor home and this is what it is now you with peer to peer, you can you can get a big ones, you can get small ones, you can, you know, get every every type on the on the 
the uh, size and scale of it all. But I think that one of the cool things about RVing is if you want to dip your toe in and buy, you can start out at ten grand, uh, really, which is a real small payment uh, uh, over fifteen years or whatever they, the right, financing yeah. deals are. So, so running, um, we're talking a multi-billion-dollar company and being the head of it. What does a typical day look like for you? I, I imagine they're all a little bit different, but if you could standardize it as much as possible, a typical day. Yeah, that's uh, that's impossible. Okay. <laughs> um, How about you know it's today a, or yes, yeah, today yeah, or yeah. tomorrow? No, I'm just. <laughs> I, I, you know, so it's changed over the years. I mean, the, the early years were, you know, we we. Um, you know, it was a lot of team building. It was a lot of, you know, uh, just building a team that would be ready for the long haul. I mean, we knew we wanted to be uh, a large and have a large business and have, you know, impact in many different industries and build a lot of different products. And we had uh, dreams to do a lot of things early on, but we had to build a team first. So, you know, it, it took it took a good 10 years to find all the right people to that could that were willing to stay in over the long haul and had the 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 uh, willingness and capacity to stay with it over the long haul and um, now you know this the second decade or now I'm in my third decade of, of work here um, but really second decade of really building the business mm -hmm. you know we've done a lot of acquisitions so that you know uh, the days have gone from you know really staying close to the operations building the teams making sure we got the right people in the right spots today we have all that and now it's okay what is our what is our strategic plan execution look like and are we you know are we are we really trying to grow in RV are we trying to grow in you know the marine are we trying to grow in Europe or aftermarket or some of our adjacent markets that we're that we're in where's the best place to spend our resources um, so I mean I'd say today I spend a lot of my time around strategy we we've, we've done 65 acquisitions since I've been here um, so you know we're thinking a lot about uh, you know what what businesses would be good to add to our family, um, and uh, right now we, you know, we've kind of shifted from, you know, what what areas do we want to play in? To hey, look, we need RV resources now. So what RV businesses make sense? We need capacity. So as opposed to going and buying a building and try to find team members that aren't really available today because the labor pool is so thin, you know, do we buy somebody that's got a little of extra capacity? Uh, we help them, you know. Uh, you know, utilize some of their extra capacity by, by marrying up with them. So, you know, I'd say today, you know, I spent a lot of time around strategic growth, uh, anything that involves our strategic plan. Um, I was spending some time over in Europe. I'm not going over there, obviously, right now. Uh, you know, there were early in the stages of growth over there because we really just got into that business in 2015, 16-ish. Um, so we're early in our, our growth cycle over there, and we're trying to, you know, buy businesses and grow organically. But uh, you know, not being able to go over there that, that makes that to a little right. bit more difficult to spend the kind of time I'd like to spend. So, you know, COVID's thrown a, a wrench in a lot of different things. But you know, there's always a place to focus. And right now, we got to build our RV business up and keep it healthy for the OEMs and and dealers that we supply heavily, uh, because they're depending on our components to be able to build. A lot of product right now and I want to talk briefly about acquisitions uh, I think people like myself we watch shows like Silicon Valley and it's like a one-day thing like that looks good here's a check mm -hmm. it it's a multi-month process correct mm -hmm. like there's a lot of vetting that goes into it can you talk a little bit about the acquisition process yeah sure sure so you know we've, we've bought businesses that are you know five million in revenues up to businesses that are, that are uh, uh, 250 million in revenue 
So every everyone's different. Um, overall, LCI, you know, the way I've approached acquisitions a lot is to uh, think about it more strategically. Who would we want? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of businesses out there will say who's available, and they start looking at acquisitions that way, or they have a you know a, a, they have a investment bank you know pitch a pitch a business because people know each other or whatever. Um, I, I like to I like the way our company does it, which is to kind of approach it strategically and say, who would we want to bolt onto our business? Who would we want to either have as a kind of a separate, separately operating entity or somebody that we could buy and fold up, you know, their capacity and with ours and, and develop the best of both worlds. But, um, you know, some of the, some of the processes for us, you know, we've, we've taken a run at people, it doesn't work or it falls apart or they're not interested and we come back and we come back and maybe after the third or fourth time after three to five years we get a deal done mm-hmm. some we hit it off right away because the the, the sellers uh are are very interested to get rid of the business and either stay with the business or get out but they want to they want it in somebody else's hands for succession reasons or maybe they just want the, the liquidity because they've had a 30-year run and they know it's time to get out um, so there's a lot of different reasons sellers sell and, and we buy, but um, we're not interested. I think the most important thing is we're not interested just to grow for the sake of growth and buy companies because we can. You know, we want it to we want it to make sense and we want there to be good strategic cultural, you know, product and stri- strategic fits. So that, that'd be a little bit of what I what I tell you there. What do you do in your free time? I so a little birdie told me. I don't know if this is true. Yeah, yeah, here we um, go. <laughs> that you do enjoy golfing. Maybe your daughter's a better golfer than yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, she is, actually. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's been a humbling year for me. I, I, <laughs> I've lost my, my daughter in, in golf. And she's, you know, she's a junior in high school. They just won sectionals, and she took third in the, the sectional tournament. And they just, so that's not a dig at all to say no, that she's No, because she's no. really, really good. Yeah. She can drive the ball. Uh, you know, I so and then my son beat me at tennis this weekend for the first time, and <laughs> I'm you know, I, and I'm starting to question whether Maybe I should be start trying spending as hard more time. As you could have, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I used that excuse before, <laughs> but now I, I I don't have an excuse. But yeah. So do you like the golf, done why? Another one. Um, so I, my full time job is running an agency, and one of our clients, uh, when he heard that I was going to be talking to you, he said get me a golf game with them. It's Bench Slaybach, he runs Green Improvements Roofing. Oh, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, so uh, that's a few people that have said you enjoy golf. So is golf something that you lean into? I I really, you know, I grew up playing it. I, I grew up on a, a little, you know, uh, little track in town, you know, where I grew up. And we, you know, me and my brothers would go play every night. That was kind of how our, my mom got us out of the house and out of her hair is just go play a few holes. So I enjoyed it growing up, but... Um, uh, unless I'm playing with a, a, a good friend or somebody I don't enjoy or, or you know, I've been out on the course probably 20 times this summer, but it was all just watching my daughter and I just sat in the cart and just... You don't go out like by yourself and just No, no, no. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, my, my free time is largely spent with, you know, my family. If I've got free time, it's backyard sports and, okay. you know, yeah. we'll get some football games with the, the boys and the neighbor kids in the backyard or baseball or basketball or tennis or Are something. you all-time quarterback in the football game? All-time quarterback. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Isn't that great? It, it works really good. That, and yeah, referee. That, yeah, and that's referee. the way to go. That's the way to go. you got to break up any of the fights that start and all that good stuff, but... Uh, it's just fun being able to to get out and be healthy enough to play with them and all that good stuff. But it's uh, I'd say if I had one pastime or or hobby, it's it's family and being around the kids because you know the job's demanding and 
Uh, I'm not going to go play golf for four hours with somebody's when my kids are sitting yeah. at home. So, yeah. um, and I enjoy, you know, we, it, I, you know, you have limited, my daughter's a junior you have limited amount of time to pour into these guys mm-hmm. before they get off on their own and have to start making decisions. And we're doing a lot around leadership and culture. And I see how transformational is for people just to, for the light bulb to go off. So you got to make that light bulb go off on your kids before they, <laughs> before they move out. So, you know, we try to take any, any time we can to do that. So you just mentioned leadership and culture. Um, that was one thing I wanted to touch on. Lipper is also kind of is synonymous with community involvement, community service, um, leadership. Mm-hmm. I assume that's very intentional. It is. Um, and can you tell us why it's intentional and some of the things that you are doing? Yeah. So I don't know how long you have, but it, I, could, <laughs> I could talk a long time about leadership and, and culture and you know, how, uh, how we really, our eyes have been opened that, that business can really be a force for good in the world. But um, I'd start out by saying that, you know, after, you know, 15 years or so of just year over year growth, you know, I, I started doing a lot of, I started praying a lot about, you know, God, hey, what, what, what more is there than just, you know, stock price goes up, we hire more people, we open more divisions, we acquire more companies. It's always, you know, we're, we're just, you know, the machine just keeps getting bigger and faster. What more is it? And it, you know, the answer came back in a, in a TED talk um, that I got not too long after uh, around uh, truly human leadership by Bob Chapman and kind of opened my eyes as to, okay, you know, business can, you know, business and more specifically business leaders can have, you know, true impact on people and families if we just, if we lead well. And of course there's, you know, all sorts of stuff coming out on leadership and culture these days that didn't exist 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, people just ran, you know, ran hard and fast. And if you ran over people, then you know, they're out the door and you're picking up the next person. And nobody really took time to think about, you know, sustainable culture over the long term. You know, building leaders up uh, so that they can impact people positively in the organization and so on and so forth. And ultimately, we look at it. Ultimately, we look at it today by, you know. Um, leadership and culture impacts, you know, quality, safety, efficiency, innovation. Uh, if, you know, if you do culture right and you lead really well and people are truly leading and not, you know, managing people and bossing them around, but they're leading people, um, that they're going to stay with a, they're going to stay with the, the, the company or the business longer. Um, I mean, people aren't going to run out and go look for another job if they're at the best job they've ever had or they're they're under or around the best leadership they've ever been around or best company culture they've ever been around they feel part of something that's bigger than just a you know making parts for RVs or whatever so you know when when quality when people stick around quality safety innovation and efficiency all get better in the business those all happen to you know drive the financial metrics of the business in a positive direction if your quality's good, if your safety's good, if your efficiency's good, and you're innovating because people are just staying with the business longer, you know the business should be really good. But the two byproducts we found um, by by investing in, in leadership and culture that we weren't anticipating were, you know, we send people home a lot happier when they're led well every day, they're treated well every day. Uh, everybody's had a boss that's yelled at them before. Most people have. Uh, most people I've talked to have had that experience, and it's awful. I mean, when you get that kind of, you're under that kind of, you know, leadership on a regular basis, it, it wears you out, you know, mentally, physically. Uh, it doesn't make you the best person you can be, and then you you take that home. So you can take, you know, you can take the impact of a good 
leader leader or boss home or you can take the impact of, of a bad leader or boss home and you know how you go home is going to determine how you treat your families and the people around you in the community and you know we just feel that if you're doing culture right and you're leading really well and intentionally um, and really trying to have positive impact on people and growing people that they're going to go and have that same impact on, on, on people outside. And then that just ripples and ripples. And eventually we can get to get back to a place where the world's a better place, not, you know, the, the crazy place we have today. Um, so, you know, we've, you know, a lot of people say, okay, well, everybody talks about culture and everybody talks about leadership and everybody puts core values on the walls, but what makes you different? And, you know, I tell them, I always ask people, well, you know, we're investing in leadership and culture. And, you know, we've got 10 leadership team members. We've got, you know, five or six personal development coaches. Uh, we've got a, a philanthropy department with philanthropy people, uh, 100,000 hours cam campaign that we actually track, you know, uh, our hours of service for team members and give them ways to serve, you know, all year long. So, you know, when you look at some of those things, you know, 10 leadership coaches, you know, five personal development coaches, philanthropy staff, those are, those are all paid team members that are, you know, dedicated specifically to those areas. And, you know, I'm still today, as much as people nod their head and say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I still haven't found any, any company out there that's put leadership coaches in place, personal development coaches in place, philanthropy staff in place, with the exception of maybe a couple companies in the area. Um, I mean, most people don't commit the resources, and I just say, hey, look, if you're serious about it, you'll commit the resources. So, so through secondhand conversations with people at Lippert, from VP down to relatively new hires, the two words that came up when you were brought up, um, one is like present or presence. Mm -hmm. um, the other one is kindness. I think kindness is pretty straightforward. I mean, if you're just kind to people, that, that's going to happen. Right. What I wanted to ask about was the presence, because... 10,000 team members, you said 90 plants. Mm -hmm. um, you obviously can't be everywhere all right. the time, but that presence can still be felt. Is that just like a trickle down effect to where if, if it starts at the top, kind of that ethos or the way you're gonna go about it mm -hmm. is gonna go through the rest and you can feel like you have a presence mm -hmm. um, and that will get, you know, whether it's employee number two down to employee yeah. number 9,000. Yeah. How are you able to pull that off? So, you know, part of it is being in the business 26 years, I've I've, you know, you have an easier opportunity to touch more people or impact more people over a long period of time mm -hmm. versus, you know, and the problem, you know, problem with a lot of businesses today, they're, you know, they, you know, a, a leader or CEO or president, they, they get in the job and, you know, two or three years of progress and they're jerked out for some reason, they go someplace else or the board jerks them or it's the wrong person to begin with and they're having negative impact. Well, we've got a lot of, you know, consistency over 26 years and we've gotten better. You know, we didn't always make the right decisions and we're sh sure as hell not perfect today. Mm -hmm. um, we got lots of opportunity, but that's the great thing about leadership and culture journeys is that it's, you know, it is, it is a journey that never ends. There's always the next step to take. You know, as, as you've gone a long way in the journey, sometimes the steps seem harder to, to get to or to determine what that next step is. But, um, but by then, if you're a long way down the journey, you're doing a lot of things right. So, um, you know, so I'd say part of it's just the length of time me and a lot of my staff have been in place. Um, so we're consistent, we're there, they see the same face, mm -hmm. they don't see people changing in and out all the time. I think that's helpful. Uh, I do get intentional about, so one of my commitments a few years ago was say, hey, say, hey, look, I'm, you know, I used to be running plants, I used to be 
welding in the plants. I used to, you know, get involved with every startup division we had and help them build their first products. Um, I haven't done, I hadn't done that, you know, in the last decade. So one of my commitments a few years ago was just about four years ago, this next month was to get back and, and have intentional frontline leader meetings with our, our, our first level leaders in the business that see it all happen that, you know, we've got, you know, 800 people that kind of, you know, for more better intents and purposes, they oversee eight or 9,000 of our team members, the men and women that are making parts all day long for us. Um, so I've been trying to get in front of these eight, 900 men and women that, that see it all and deal with it all and really probably have the least amount of experience in what true leadership should look like. The ones that we're really trying to coach and mm -hmm. put that leadership coaching time around because they generally don't teach this kind of stuff in manufacturing. Um, and most of our men and women that are on the front lines of our business and go to college, they didn't, you know, they're not even teaching leadership in you know, college for the most part anyway, yeah. the way it should be done. They're not preparing you know, people the right way. So, um, so, so what I'd say is that uh, you know, I'm intentional leading by example. My people I know are doing a lot of the same things. Uh, so when I sit in front of, I sat in front of 30 people last week, uh, one of our facilities and, and uh, it's actually three facilities put 30 of their, their frontline leaders together. I sat in front of them and I, I, I spend 20 minutes casting, casting some vision and telling them where we're at, where we're headed and then listen for an hour and 10 minutes. And I think that's what most business leaders miss is that listening part. You know, we talk about effective communication as one of our five core values or leadership values. And uh, it's what most businesses get wrong. They do a lot of talking and vision casting, mm -hmm. but they don't listen. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, and then, you know, somebody emails me, somebody, you know, uh, we've got devotionals every morning that go to like 300 people and we'll, I'll talk to people that way. I'll have people hit me on LinkedIn, some of our, our team members from around the, the world, uh, have conversations that way. Never don't answer a, a text or an email. So I think just being available, you know, is just as good as being present um, and just being responsive and available. So if that answers your question. Yeah, but. for sure. Before we get to some of the fun questions to wrap up, we have our last question we asked everybody. And this question is brought to us, brought to you, the listeners, by Martin Supermarkets. Uh, count on us. This is going to be some advice that you can count on. Young entrepreneur. Mm-hmm comes into your office they got an hour with Jason Lipper actually they got 10 minutes with Jason Lipper what is a couple of key actionable pieces of advice you would give them so you know I, I would start with you know never give up I mean um, you can't ever be willing to throw in the towel mm -hmm. so you got to keep pressing and you know you're not always going to get the the the, uh, the right the, the, the result that's in your mind every time you, you approach a new challenge but never give up you know work your butt off uh, you know if you're gonna commit to being an entrepreneur and trying to to bring bring a business or a business plan to life you gotta you know you gotta not you gotta not stop and work harder than everybody else know who your competitors are work harder than them you know the results just speaks for themselves and then you know the whole piece on leadership and culture if you start a business uh, you know, don't do what we did and figure it out, you know, halfway through, mm -hmm. uh, start with, you know, a real good understanding about what, what great leadership is going to look like in the business, what the values of the business are, be resolved to, to keep everybody in the business aligned to the values because people stray through life. They, they start wandering in a different direction and you got to keep them lined up to the values. And, and the quickest way to lose good team members is to tolerate somebody that's, 
you know, straying from the values. Yep. So awesome. So we are going to jump into some of the answer the internet questions and in just a few fun questions that we have. Um, we'll start off with, would you rather be able to throw 105 or dunk? Throw 105 yards? 105 miles an hour. 105 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. and dunk, man. Um, I can't do either of those. So <laughs> I think probably uh, dunk yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd, it'd be more handy. 105, like you could wow some people at a backyard party, but yeah, but you who's gonna show... have a who's gonna have a radar with them? Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can you can show up at the gym and just dunk on people. Yeah, That's... exactly. Have you ever been stuck on an elevator? Uh, I have never. I have never. Really? But I, uh, my brother has, and it sounded like a horrible experience. So, would you do okay with it or no? No, no, no yeah, I neither. No, I'd, do, I'd be terrible. No, I took the stairs here. Yeah. Yeah. I always take the stairs, yeah. unless it's like twenty flights up. Yeah. I'm taking the stairs. Yep, same. You think you could beat Tom Cruise in a fight? Oh gosh, no. He'd probably. No, he's little. Would. Even though he's little, he's a he's a tough, <laughs> no, I, no. tough guy. Oh, no, I think you would. Um, <laughs> if so, do you play basketball much? I don't. I, I scrap with my 12-year-old. But If you had one free throw, if you make it, give you $100 million. If you miss it, you can never text again. Are you taking the free throw? Oh, I don't, I don't think that would be possible. I'm not taking the free throw. <laughs> no, because no, there's a good chance I'd miss it. <laughs> What's, uh, you may have already answered this earlier in the podcast. The longest vehicle ride you've ever taken? Was it that to Oregon? Actually, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, um, I was like, um, whatever, 2,300 miles one direction. So. Was there a difference of mood going there versus coming oh, back? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were excited. We were pumped up. I mean, the first the first uh, two days, we uh, we were the second night, we were staying in Salt Lake, and we, you know, nobody knew that we had driven two 12-hour days back to back, but on the way back, it drug. Did you <laughs> hop into Salt Lake when you... When you went to Utah, we uh, we went to this. We went to the park. Yeah, um, and it's really a briny, brownish looking. So lot I, of I was just in Salt Lake a few weeks ago. I can't remember what part I went to, but yeah, it's just like brown. What is like little brine shrimp? I think they yes. are that are everywhere. Yeah, but I mean, you do float pretty yeah. cool. And it's a yeah. beautiful place. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, would you rather be stuck in Jurassic Park or Jumanji? Oh. um... I'm, I'm, I'd probably Jumanji for sure. Yeah? yeah. Think you'd have a better chance of living or just be more fun? Yeah, I'd like Robin Williams Rock, did it. Yeah, you know? Rock did it. Kevin Hart did it. <laughs> yeah. Ke- yeah. Yeah. Kevin Hart figured it out. Jack Black figured it out. You yeah, Jack it Black out. figured it yeah. out. I can figure it out. So if, if it were very acceptable for men to carry purses and it was just kind of the norm, are there a couple go-to items you would have in yours? Uh, go-to items I'd have in mine? Or would it just be like No, I, I, I can't even. I can't even picture... Yeah, I can't even picture it. So keys and phone. Yeah, key, yeah. are you a chapstick guy? Yeah, keys. I still probably carry my phone, but no, not a chapstick guy. Yeah. Would you do? You, so you watch a lot of sports, like on TV? You're not really. Um, not a lot, but when my kids are interested, I'll sit down and watch a football game with them. Or so when you do watch sports, would you rather have to turn off the, <laughs> every game at the two minute mark, or only watch from the two minute mark until the end? the latter yeah. i'd rather watch the two minute mark from the end yeah when you're in the back of an uber do you are you a talker not, to the driver not not what if they're but really trying to get you to talk? Are, i talk to them yeah i don't want to be rude i don't want to be rude <laughs> is it acceptable for a guy to use a gift card on a first date 
<laughs> well, it's been a long time since the first uh, first date. We get answers all over the map on this one. Oh man, I, I guess if you're trying to lose the date, you know, it'd be acceptable. So that's basically like your rip cord, the yeah. gift card. Yeah, exactly. And if the it's not card. going well, it's like boom, yeah. and you just and put I it say, on the yeah. table. Yeah, any first or second or third date, probably that, that's a good rip card. Okay. Rip cord. <laughs> um, good questions. Oh, thanks. I, I can't take credit for these, but we'll knock out a few more. Um, how do you order your steak? Uh, medium, uh, medium, medium. Yep. Okay. Have you? Some people say medium plus is a thing. Have you ever heard of that? I have. You I've had, actually ordered it that way before. Does but. do they know what you're talking about? Yeah. I'm always too scared to do it. Yeah. No. They 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 do for the most part. I mean, um, steakhouses you're going to and I'm going to maybe a little different. No. Well, no. Well, Applebee's no. Applebee's. <laughs> I've never ordered a steak. But but mostly medium. Okay. <laughs> um. I just don't. Some some places do it. Too medium rare is too rare. Yeah. So your eyes safe with going just a little bit more in medium. Okay. Yeah. Um, is there a bad piece of advice you hear or see in your world like that repeats itself? Man, um, I don't know if it's advice. It's just the, you know. There's a, there's a lot of companies that, that put values up that just don't hold people accountable to them. They'll put them up yeah. on the walls. They'll brag about it. And I think Good photo ops. And yeah. yeah, yeah. And I just uh, I think that that's just a, a bad habit to get into. But um, other than that, yeah, I, I mean, there's probably a lot, of, a lot of advice out there that people give that's, that's really bad. But, um, you know, I think that going back to a comment you said earlier, if you're, you know, if you're kind to people and good mm -hmm. to people and, you know, you're doing things ethically, then you know, generally things will work out really well for you. So always err on the side of, you know, goodness and kindness, I'd say. Where are you on the debate of hustle, hustle, hustle versus uh, separate, relax, recover? You know, kind of, I think Gary V, the big yeah, yeah. celebrity, has kind of started to transition, which is kind of a good juxtaposition between the two, yeah. where it used to be hustle, 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 get three hours of sleep, get up and do it again, where now it's like, well, disconnect a little bit, recharge. Do you lean on toward one or the other yeah so I'm I, I I'm probably the hustle hustle type um, but I think where you have to be careful is just what kind of message you're sending to your people and sometimes I know it's not it's definitely not the right message um, sometimes but uh, but if you're respectful in the way you show your hustle um, people know if people know you don't expect them to hustle the same way because yeah. you might be invested in the business differently especially if you're a private entrepreneur you know yeah. and you've got more on the line than everybody else um, but you know I, I think part of that's just communication you got to tell people what your expectations are and that you know in, in these types of situations it's clear that you don't expect them to you know uh, be restless and always thinking about the always be thinking about the business you know what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten weirdest thing I've ever eaten um, I try not to eat weird stuff, but you know, <laughs> octopus would probably be the the weirdest. But did you like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't bad. When you gotta, you know, you gotta cook it. I yeah. not raw, <laughs> you're not just ripping it out of the ocean. No, no, no. Are you a sushi guy? I do. I do like sushi. Yeah. My wife got me into that a long time ago. So, is there a uh, local restaurant if you're going go out and have a nice dinner? It's no free ads, but we can do. A plug, maybe. Is there yeah, a place besides you Martin's? Like I like. Well, okay, yeah, I, like I mean, Martin's. I, let's uh, assume that the side door deli at Martin's isn't an option. <laughs> it always is, but if it weren't, where would um, you go? So we love we love Cafe Navarre. Mm -hmm. uh, 
we like to go to the patio at Ruth's. We, um, you know, sushi-wise, we generally, we like to go to, there's a few places up in Chicago we like to go, okay. even if it's just for the night. You know, we don't do that very often, but it, you know, the drive's not a bad thing when, you know, you have a Clear your head a, while, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, to wrap up, is there anything you want to plug? Websites, maybe plug your uh, job openings where people can find yeah, those. We, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we have 700 open positions right now. Uh, for assembly and uh, uh, technical work all over the business. And, you know, uh, we'd love to have great people apply. I mean, we're looking for, you know, if you're not happy in your job right now, there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, that are, that are experiencing that bad culture and leadership, and there's a, there's a way out. You know, it's hard for people to leave their, their jobs, but uh, we, we've, we've got a good... And then just, uh, you know, our Leadership Academy, if there's a business out there that hears this, that is thinking about... Uh, you know what how to how to change culture how to how to really uh, try to work on transforming and impacting people's lives differently inside their businesses we can we can show you the roadmap we've got a you know again a dedicated resource in the company that we actually have people run that, that help other companies and businesses try to take their next steps in culture and leadership so love to plug that Awesome. And you can down, download, rate, subscribe, South Bend Beat everywhere you get podcasts. We're at South Bend Beat on social media. SouthBendBeat.com is the hub you can find everything. And Jason, thanks a ton for your time. You're very generous with it. Uh, I think the listeners are really going to enjoy this episode. Yeah, I hope so. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Appreciate Everybody it. I know, first it might seem like a lot, but they are playing a role. Put that on anything that I got, and all I care about is my city, man. I can't say it enough. I didn't hurt them. Things about y'all that they can't say about us. I just hold it down for my side. I just hold it down for my set. I give everybody a piece of this and I make it work. This has been a production of the Alpha Dog Podcast Network. Find more shows at alphadogagency.com slash podcast.